this is episode six of We Effed Up. I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And we're here to tell you about all of the times in history when uh, we collectively, we, the royal we, have effed up. Including today, when we're going to talk about uh, why, really, you should read the fine print sometimes. I feel like you should probably read it all the time. Like, you know, when you're on iTunes and you have to accept the terms and conditions, and it's like at least 30 pages long, but you just click the button because you're like, whatever. Yeah, but not reading those terms doesn't end in millions of deaths. Okay. Wow. All right. Is this about a chemical spell? <laughs> Uh, no, no. Uh, okay. This is about uh, the Congo. Oh, okay. All yes. right. This is a thing I know little to nothing about. Kind of in the larger discourse of colonialism, it's kind of just glossed over. Like when you mm-hmm. learn it in school, it's like, oh, Europeans, they just colonized Africa, and then they were kind of crappy about it, and then they weren't, they weren't really Africa anymore. Yeah, so, but like Belgium did it, right? Like the Belgian well, king. You're, you're, yes. Is this about Belgium? Uh, tangentially. Okay. Um, they're the colonizers in this particular instance? Mm, we'll get into that. Well, Cody almost Cause choked. Because it, it's, it's not a straightforward answer. Like uh, many, many things in history, it's not a not a straightforward answer. So when is this set? Uh, it's set middle of the night, uh, mid to late 19th century. Okay. So, so the 1800s. So, yes. You can't go by number of centuries because I don't know what that means. So just have to go by the years because I always forget that it's a it's a hundred years ahead. So when you say 19th century, I always forget and I'm like, oh, the 1900s. Nope. It's not that way. What's, I know it's ahead, but I never put that together. What, what century are we in now? I know it's the 21st <laughs> century. All right. 26th so. and a half century. Wait, what was Duck... Uh, was Duck Dodgers that were in the... Duck 20- Dodgers in the 25th and a half century, okay. I think it was. I couldn't yeah. remember. Something... For, for you younger listeners, there's these things called Looney Tunes. <laughs> I don't think that we're going to have any listeners younger than about 60, so <laughs> they're all going to know who Looney Tunes are. Wow. Well, Sorry. Right. So the Congo, uh, it, it's in this region of Central Africa along the Congo River. Okay. Right here. Yeah. So... Uh, kind of like a, a main artery into the center of the continent. So the, it's like on the eastern... Uh, let me see the big map again. No, 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 the big map. Well, this is the one I want to show you right now. Oh, okay. So like, so like, here's the Atlantic. Is that in like the cur- the end curve, or is it kind of up in the northern section, or is it like right in the center? It's kind of like right in the center. Okay, cool. So like, uh, this is the exit of it. So like, this, like, like this leads into the center of Africa. Wow, there's a lake. River. There's a Lake Albert and Lake Victoria in yes. Africa, and that's just about the most hubristic name of a river I've ever or lake I've ever seen. Yes, that really sucks. Yes, especially when you have like Lake Malawi and Lake Tanganyika to the south, and it's like oh, up north, Albert and Victoria. I like how Victoria's lake is about seven, eight times bigger than I Lake Albert. I think it's like the biggest lake in Africa, if I remember correctly. But. Um, where did they ever go to those lakes? No, no. I don't think Victoria ever left the country. What? Um, so <laughs> garbage. Anyways. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so, you see, like, you know, it, it goes through Central Africa. So it's really important. Uh, yes. To getting to the center part of Africa. Yeah, you can move a lot of people and goods to and from the center of it okay. by the Congo River. So it's a big transit. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, so in Congo... The first organized states uh, began appearing in the area around the 14th century, so the 1300s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And trade with Portugal begins in the following century because Portugal this time is trying to get to India, so they're kind of like going the route just down to south of Africa and around up to India. So like Portugal's beginning to really explore this area and make wow. contact with the uh, locals. Okay. And of course, uh, Western Africa. What takes place in Western Africa? Slave trade. Mm, okay. So along the coastal regions, it transplants a lot of the locals to the Western Hemisphere, just taking mm-hmm. these people. And that's a large population loss, and that kind of led to some instability in the area. Okay. And the European powers, they began some small-scale colonization efforts in the early 1800s, but nothing like extensive, uh, maybe like a few training posts on the coast, nothing really in the interior of the continent yet. So why? What, what about Africa was attractive to them? Well, th- at this point, it wasn't really that attractive. It was just... Like they said, like they would have trading posts along the coast, oh. kind of like as stopovers to India. Oh, this, I is, see. this is before the Suez Canal, right? So they right. have to go around Africa the to Horn get to Africa. India. Okay, yes, cool. So it, it wasn't really; it was just kind of like a way station. So they were basically like making truck stops along the way. Yeah, and just taking people to work in the Western Hemisphere. Okay, so and by Western Hemisphere, are we talking the like, Americas? Yeah, the Americas. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, the desire for further economic gains drove European powers to ramp up their colonization efforts in Africa in the 1870s. Okay. Because there's nowhere else left to conquer in the world, so... Oh, well, let's just have Africa. Oh, great. So, enter um, one of the stars of our story, Leopold II. Leopold II, okay. The King of Belgium. Ah, yes. I I am semi-familiar with this, yes. with this man, actually. Uh, here's a picture of him... Old, old, old Leo. <laughs> is there is there a uh uh farts? What is his name? God, Sherlock Holmes. Is there a Sherlock Holmes story that has to do with Belgium and like Leopold II? No, you're thinking of Bavaria. Okay. You're thinking of um the first one. Um, scandal. <laughs> or no, you're thinking of Bohemia. Scandal Bohemia. Oh, okay. That was the first short story. Okay, because for some reason I'm like, what? I'm trying to think of why I would know who Leopold II is. And I thought it was because maybe they t- like maybe even offhand talked about him in a in a Sherlock Holmes novel yeah, maybe. story. Maybe I don't remember because it's around the same time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Holmes is a little bit after the period, but we're gonna talk about it. It's fine, but like, yeah. Okay. I mean, Leopold would have been relevant at the time, but yeah, that's that's him. So it's still like the same area of, as modern day Belgium. Yes. Same area. Yes. Okay. Uh, Leop, uh, because Belgium as a country didn't exist until 1830. Okay. Uh, when it got its independence from the Netherlands. Ah. So comparatively speaking, it's, it's relatively new. Sure. It's. Eager to prove stuff. Yeah. It doesn't have that large amount of economic power. It doesn't have a lot of prestige. So that's, that's kind of the, what, the country that Leopold comes into. Uh, They they should have stuck with chocolate. Okay. Well, yeah, 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 in retrospect, yes. Uh, Leopold, he'd been born in eight, April 1835 in Brussels, capital of Belgium. Okay. His father was Leopold I. Sure. The first king of Belgium. Okay. Uh, when he was the heir, Leopold II, he traveled extensively, uh, advocating for greater Belgian investment overseas. Okay. Um... And he was like, like, all these countries are investing tons of money. Right. And, we need to get in on that. And their relatively weak economy, small size, and recent independence kind of precluded them from having any sort of colonial empire. And like mm. like the British or the French or uh, 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 the Dutch. Sure. Uh, so, or even the Spanish. So um, they're like, this is kind of like a get-rich-quick scheme Kind for of, them. and it's also very prestigious. 
And that's what so, they're thinking. They're like, yes. oh, well, now we're amongst the, the, the big great powers. The big yes. powers. Okay, cool. Uh, Leopold ascended to the throne in December 1865 when his father died. Um, he was a notorious philanderer, just carried on numerous affairs. A lot of them just out in the open. He just didn't care. It's funny because he's king, so he could just do whatever he yeah, wants. Yeah. But it, it's so weird. Like, why is it in some countries they have, like, such a strict, like, let's just say Great Britain, for example. The queen is, like, and the family are, like, under such strict regiment. But in other countries, they're just like, this king has, like, six mistresses. Who cares? Just, just the cultural outlook on it i guess so weird or honestly it can also be how much they control the press because in in great britain it's like the queen could totally just be like ah i don't care about any of this stuff i'm not doing any of it anymore and nobody would even care but they still have it and they have like that whole weird line of succession anyways sorry uh leopold he wanted more power over the government but he was rejected by the legislature because they're like but why because Belgium is kind of largely a constitutional monarchy. Oh, okay. So the monarch didn't really have any real power. It's like So there's like, why, why would we give up our own power to give it to you? So, yeah. Um, he commissioned numerous public work, works and improvements. Okay. Kind of, again, never ascribe abscri- um, wholesome motives to these people. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a way to like say, hey, look, I built this thing. Oh, yeah. Just I provided th- this for you like that. Yes. Another thing to put your name on. Yes. Okay. Uh, and he began to eye the area surrounding the Congo River in Africa as a future Belgian colony. Okay. So he was he was down in Africa then? Well, he didn't actually... I mean, he wouldn't actually go to Africa. Oh, he had his people. Oh, oh yeah. I oh, think oh, that's oh. how I know who Leopold is. Because the, the guy, the scout that he sends, is named... Hold on, hold on. I'm trying to think of it. He's going to come up in our story. Uh... Livingstone. No. Close? No, but you're kind of in the ballpark, but we'll we'll get okay. there. We'll get there. Something I presume. We'll we'll get there. Okay. All right. It's the person who says that. Oh, so, okay. All right. Um so anyway, like as a Leopold was um I in the Congo River. And to this end he establishes what's called the International African Association <laughs> in September eighteen seventy six. So it's <laughs> just another like thing that's self-serving he's yes. like no well, no this is going to be named international Africa well Association. ostensibly it was its goal was to quote unquote discover the congo region and quote unquote civilize the natives it's already been discovered people have been living but not there by for- europeans <laughs> but it's already been but they're the only people who count Teresa. uh it's like that eddie Izzard. but do you have a flag <laughs> they would have a flag um anyway um it was meant to like be like a multinational uh, effort, uh, you know. So you had like different investors from all these different countries, like you know, uh, just kind of putting their pulling their resources to move this along. Um, by moving by, this along, what what were they doing? Well, like I mean, to you know, build infrastructure down there oh, and all I that see. sort of thing, and you know, send missionary work. Oh, missionaries! Kind of yes, you know the the great. Uh, white people yes. who go to save the, the yes. savages. Um, but to Leopold, it, I mean, this was kind of a front organization to convince others that his motives were purely humanitarian. <laughs> okay. Yes. By the way, that thing that I just said about white white saviors, uh, that was sarcastic. Hmm. I just want to make sure that that was yes. clear. <laughs> now, I'm going to throw some other names at you. And you got it. 
It was purposely confusing, so you're going to have to keep track. Ooh, okay, I'm ready. So, the International African Association in 1878 was succeeded by the Committee for the Study of the Upper Congo. Okay. Because a lot of these international backers had started like kind of pull out because like, nothing was really being done with it. Mm-hmm. Well, Leopold just bought their shares in it. Okay. So then it becomes an enterprise wholly owned by Leopold. Oh, I see. And and then it was renamed the International Congo Association in November of 1879. Okay. So it has three different names over three years. Okay. And the purpose of this latest organization was purely commercial. Like, Leopold fully owns it. He's the only shareholder kind of thing. Um, so, like, the first organization was multinational. He then purchased the shares of the other countries in the organization and dissolved it. But he kept using that name interchangeably with the other ones just to kind of confuse everybody. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Sounds like a, a real a real good guy. Yeah. Real so, pure motives here. So. Yeah. So, so, of course, Leopold, he needs somebody to go down and uh, explore this region for him. Okay. This, this region that, like, you know, his front organization is, you know, wanting to explore and exploit. He's got to put on his job purse and his pith helmet and well, get down there. Well, the person he hires is. Uh-huh. The person you alluded to earlier, Henry Morton Stanley. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yes. I think I know this because of an episode of Jeopardy. I think Henry Morgan Stanley was the Probably. name. And was the clue was Dr. Livingstone, I presume. Probably. He's probably come up. I'm sure he has. Um, a little bit about Stanley. Uh, he was born John Rowlands, or Rowlands, I don't know how it's pronounced, in is January. It, is it W or? R-O-W-L-A-N-D-S. Rowlands. Rowlands. Rowlands, I think. In January 1841 in in Wales. Uh, okay. He was born out of wedlock. Ooh, he's a Welsh bastard. Yep. Uh, his mother abandoned him and his father died a few weeks after his birth. Oh, boy. Uh, he was raised in orphanages. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little sad. Sorry. Uh, he immigrated to the United States in 1859 uh, and changed his name when he arrived. There's been, like, uh, Stanley, he wrote an autobiography of himself and he also was, like, it was very just muddled. Mm-hmm. Like, he like would exaggerate his own achievements and <laughs> all this stuff and like give himself like these, you know, murky origins kind of mm-hmm. thing. So like we don't really know. He's like Tommy Wiseau. Sure. Yeah. Is he French? Is he an alien? We don't know. Well no, he's Welsh, but <laughs> is he Welsh? Is he an alien? We don't know. <laughs> and Tommy Wiseau is an alien. Um just, just for the record, he's not of this world. So Morgan Stanley, that name Morton. kind of Morton Stanley, Henry not Morgan. Morton Stanley. Okay, sorry, I thought it was Morgan Stanley, no. which I was like, that sounds familiar. But... Not the financial firm. Okay, Morton Stanley. Yes, got it. Uh, weird little side note: he may have been the only person to serve in the Confederate Army, the Union Army, and the Union Navy during the Civil War. WTF? He signed up with the Confederacy. He was taken prisoner by the Union. And sometimes the union would say, like, hey, prisoners, we can, we'll free you if you fight for us. <laughs> well, because they just needed, just needed bodies. Bodies, yeah. Um, and he did that, but he was discharged after, like, a month or something. They're like, wow, you're a terrible soldier. Kind no of. wonder you got caught. <laughs> and then he went and joined the Navy, but then he jumped ship. <laughs> wow. So, so, yeah, so, yeah, and he began, and he began a journalism career, which took him to, which took him to Africa. Interesting, okay. Uh, he traveled through Zanzibar in 1871. Where's and, Zanzibar? Uh, Eastern Africa. Okay. Uh, and he, quote-unquote, found the missionary David Livingston in November, supposedly asking Dr. Livingston, I presume. Oh, That's okay. where that comes from. Okay. 
there's it, it may be apocryphal. He wrote it in his own autobiography, so oh, I see. I don't know if he actually said it or if that's how it turned out. It, it, it's, yeah. just, it's just entered just the lexicon of. It sounds really dramatic, but it could have just been like Doctor Livingston, and like not even that big of a deal. Just or he the- was wrong like the first time, like Doctor Livingston, I presume. No, okay, Doctor Livingston, I presume. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Dr. Livingston, I presume? Yeah, okay. All right, yeah, right, all right. He didn't write in there that he said it like 50 times. <laughs> yeah, of course he wouldn't. He's going to make himself look better. Also, like, how would he know who Dr. Livingston is? Or even to who to presume Dr. Livingston is? The white guy there. There could have been so many white dudes. <laughs> well, like, he's just going to ask every single white dude that he runs across. <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, and he only knows one name. He's not presuming that it's anybody else. Yeah. It's just like, no, this one dude. Yep. So was he looking for him specifically? Uh, yeah, like uh, okay. Livingston had been in East Africa for like several years at this point. They didn't know if he's still alive. Like a explorer type or explorer slash missionary type. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so um, not Indiana Jones. No. Oh, no, bummer. no. Uh Stanley, he was contracted to explore the African Great Lakes, which is like Lake Victoria and like Albert, like those lakes. Do we know what their names are? Like their native names? I'm sure they have them, but I don't know what they are offhand. Oh. We should figure that out. Um and he was contracted to explore those and find the source of the Nile River in 1874. Did they not know where the Nile started? No. Wow. Okay. No, and like they didn't really know much about the interior of Africa. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, when you think about it, it's kind of it was kind of hard for to them for them to explore because a lot of jungle, a lot of diseases. Mm. So okay. Um, they were, and they weren't actually going to ask the natives because. The natives know. Well, plus, like, how would they? They were not really very interested in, no. you know, asking them questions. Or... Yeah. Um, and over the course of that last expedition, he spent some time in the Congo region. And by this point, Stanley was internationally known. Mm, okay. So, well, Internationally known for... Well, like, he'd written about his exploits, and, you know, oh, he'd been a that's journalist. That's right, because he's a journalist, okay. Uh, yeah, so, like, people knew, like, you know, what he was up to, you know, and all these... You know, things he was doing, so okay, kind of like a celebrity journalist type of thing. So he was writing like a serial, yeah, kind of. Uh, Side note Lake Victoria uh, has many multiple local language names, um, and it was uh, it was coined Queen Victoria Lake by John Henning Spick. He's an explorer, his last name is Speck, Speck, S P E K E. Speak, I bet. Speak. Uh, there's only one e. Who cares? It's probably a jackass. <laughs> uh, so, so it has many local names. Yeah, one of them is Luganda. Luganda. There you go. Lake Luganda. Um, and it's at this point that Leopold begins to take an interest in, like, maybe hiring Stanley for, to um, help him s- set up uh, infrastructure in the Congo uh, region. By infrastructure, I wonder if he means, like, like slave camps trading and... Trading posts, roads, that type of thing. But we'll get into that a little bit in just a moment. Okay. I'm I um, just am curious if it's, like, if it's infrastructure we'll, for the people, or, we'll, like... We'll get into that. Okay. Um, so, to do this, he has... Because he's obviously not going to meet with him himself. I mean, Leopold wants to keep his hands clean out of most of this. Because he knows it's shady. <laughs> uh, so... He hires uh, a person named uh, Henry Shelton Sanford. Okay. Uh, so many Henrys. Uh, yeah. Oh, Henry. Oh, God, that was a <laughs> terrible joke. No, it wasn't. It was awful. Um, it's Halloween. 
Oh, Henry's are on the brain. What? <laughs> the candy is called Oh Henry. I was thinking the playwright. What? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> oh Henry, the candy, duh. No idea what you're talking about. Wow. I, I'm thinking the playwright. Okay, well, I don't even know who that is, but great. Wow. <laughs> we were, we're all... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sanford. Uh, he'd been born in June 1823 in Woodbury, Connecticut, and he'd worked in the Foreign Service before being appointed as the U.S. Ambassador to Belgium in 1861. What is the Foreign Service? Can you just give me a brief... Just like the Americans abroad who were like... Like like the people working like consulates and embassies and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, I'm with you. He's appointed ambassador to Belgium in 1861, and he served until 1869. So, like, he... Seems he, cushy. He, uh, yeah, and he was the ambassador when Leopold comes to the throne. So, so, so he's going to be acquainted with Leopold. And w- you said that Belgium is, like, kind of a new-ish country and doesn't really have a lot of, like, uh, like financial sway yet. Mm. What kind of a country is it at this point? Like, is it a wealthy nation? Is it not very wealthy? What are, what I mean, are we compared to, like, other European countries like the Netherlands or France or the UK or Spain, it's not... Okay. It's not wealthy. I'm, I'm just trying to think, like, is this Russia? No. Or is this... <laughs> Like well, where are we? Well, at? Russia's probably wealthier at this point. But. Okay, I just didn't know if this was like a country that's like real scrappy and like people are on like food stamps no, and lining up. No, 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 no. Okay, no, 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 no. I was like, are they lining up for bread? Or what are we talking about here? No. Is this dire straits? No. Okay. Cool. Uh, Sanford. Uh, just a little side note. He was he heavily invested in Florida after the Civil War, and he founded the town of Sanford, Florida, in 1877. It's like in central Florida. That's weird. Yeah. That's real weird. Yeah. People just fi- founding cities in Florida. It's yeah. always so weird to me. The only thing about Florida wasn't really that big. Like, it only became a state in the 1840s, and it really was not heavily populated until the 20th century. Yeah, because it sucks. Sorry, Floridians. Yeah. I mean, everybody everywhere except for Disney World. It's just, like, swampy and hard to navigate. I'm sure that uh, reaching the southern tip of Florida was actually really difficult and there's a lot of spanish people there already i think native americans yeah seminal yes um so sanford uh and and after his service as ambassador to belgium he kind of served as a lobbyist for belgian interests (laughs) in the united states wow so he's your your inside dude yeah pretty much (laughs) wow yeah belgium's like make sure that the u.s is on board with all this garbage that we're doing so, Leopold, he kind of pushed Sanford to uh, convince Stanley to come work for him. Okay. So, and Stanley, he met with Leopold in June of 1878, and he signed a, contra- a contract with him that would pay Stanley, a five-year contract, that would pay him to the modern equivalent of $250,000 a year. Wow, that's a lot of money. set up the infrastructure in along the Congo River. Okay. Uh... And something, and something else we'll get into here in a moment. A quick question. How long do you think it would take them to get from the center of the interior of Africa back to Belgium? I'm only wondering because I, you I said that know. he met with Leopold. I'm like, are they are they traveling by land or is this something where they're still like traveling by boat to get well, there? Well, like uh, Stanley's in, he's, he's in Europe at this point. Okay. He's not still, he's not still in Africa. He's, oh, he didn't just, like, he's based out of Europe, but he goes on these expeditions to Africa, but he comes back to Europe. Okay. So, so he, he's in Europe at this point. 
So it's considered, though, at this time to be, like, super prestigious to go to Africa and return. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of people doing it. This is probably the origin of big game hunting. Uh, Yeah, that's probably starting to become a thing at this time. But they're like, elephants, what? Yeah. Um, Ivory. So, anyway, he signs a contract. Mm -hmm. Uh, Around this time, this is when the name of the International Africa Association is replaced by the Committee for the Studies of the Upper Congo. Uh, and Stanley sets off for Africa in February 1879. Okay. Uh, and as I mentioned, Leopold had bought out the other stakeholders and technically dissolved the first committee, but like he was continuing to use it as a smokescreen. Oh, fun. Yeah. And he created the International Congo Association, and it was purposely confusing. Leopold even said, Care must be taken to not let it be obvious that the Congo Association and the Africa Association are two different things. The public doesn't grasp that. Okay. Yeah, he's like, the people are too dumb to realize these are actually two different things. Yeah, well... So if I just keep using them interchangeably, they're just going to conflate the two, and they're going to confuse, like, the real one that I have now with the old one that I used to have that was, like, benevolent. And also, you have the journalist who's writing about all this stuff in your pocket. Yep. So he's controlling the message from the ground up. Uh, Well, Stanley's primary job uh, was to build the infrastructure. Even okay. though he was like, he even nearly died of illness at one point because, like, the disease is galore. Well, white people aren't strong. No. They're not strong no. for these expeditions. There's no inoculations to keep them safe. Leopold also empowered Stanley to sign treaties with local chiefs. Okay. Because uh, he absolutely had that power. Uh, well, well, I mean, I mean, he. Leopold empowered Stanley to do this. Like, hey, it's like, hey, I know. go sign these trees on our behalf. I'm just saying, it's all fake. It's yeah. all it's all monopoly money. Well, uh, and Leopold even said, "quote The treaties must be as brief as possible, and in a couple of articles, must grant us everything." Wow. So he was like, "You can go sign these treaties, but we want all of the stuff." Yeah, I liken it to the treaties that the government, the United States government, would sign with Native American tribes. So similar thing. We'll give you these areas that are protected. Just kidding. Move to yeah. the this other area that's much smaller. And most of those trees did grant Leopold everything. Wow. So so everything as in like all of the... The land. All of the land. The land, yeah. Wow. So basically all their, all their stuff belonged to him. Yeah. So like basically they're now tenants on what was once their land. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. You see where this is going. Yes. Uh, Stanley returned to Europe in June of 1884. Okay. So he's been down there for multiple years. Oh, yeah. I remember it was a five-year contract. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Okay. By the time Stanley returned, uh, other European powers were beginning to eye African colonies. Like, hey, you know, maybe maybe we can get some of those colonies for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the Congo River, you know, that, that look, that's looking kind of important. Mm-hmm. We want anything in Central Africa. Uh, just, you know, before we move on, I'm going to show you a picture of... There's Leopold again. That's that's Stanley. That's him in his younger days. And like you said, a pith helmet. With there a pith go. helmet. Yep. Can I tell a quick joke? Oh, God. Oh, well, I mean, me saying no wasn't going to stop you. This is the only joke that my dad ever remembered to tell. Do you know why they call it a pith helmet? Because it's pithy. Because out in the jungle, there's nowhere to go to the bathroom, so the guys have to take off their hats and pith in them. <laughs> Can we insert the clip from Billy Madison of, like, you know, you've now made us all dumber for having heard that in here? Mm. Uh, 
That's a great joke. And the only one that my dad ever told. And every single time somebody says pith helmet, that's what it makes me think of. Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> uh, it's a group of friends who talk about pith I feel like I've told that joke at least a hundred times in my life. <laughs> and how many times have other people actually laughed at it? Multiple times. No, I guess two was multiple out of a hundred. Wow. Cool. Um, so, um, that's Stanley, and that's Sanford. Oh, great. Yep. He looks like the Sanborn guy off of the coffee. I don't know what that means. That's okay. It's coffee, so I, I don't understand. Um, so, so backtrack just a little bit. Um... Sanford had been cultivating a relationship with a particular American politician for some time. In June of 1883, he let this particular politician take a vacation to his to his uh, Florida state. Uh, Sanford wasn't even there, but he <laughs> wanted to just make sure that this guy was comfortable and all sorts of you know just just. Can look. I guess? Go for it. Teddy Roosevelt. No. Is it Roosevelt? No. It is another president, though. Was he a president before or after this time? Well, he was president during this time. <gasps> during, okay, 1883. Great facial hair. Garfield. Close. Uh. The guy after Garfield. That doesn't help. It is the effer-upper of this episode, Chester Arthur. Chester Arthur! Yes, uh, here's a picture of Chester Arthur and his awesome facial hair. His chops. Oh, yeah. He Well, he had, like... What is that called when you have the mustache with the chops attached? The Jolly Bartender. The Jolly Bartender. That's, yep, that's, that's the... That's him. He probably never bartended a that's day old, in his old life. Chet Arthur. Um, Chet Arthur. Yep. So, was oh, he really called Chet, or were you just doing that? Well, I think that's a nickname for Chester. So. <gasps> is it? I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, he probably was I've never that. met anybody named Chester before, so... <laughs> Except for a cat. I think a cat Chester. Chester Bennington. Oh, never met him. Never met him. I don't yeah. know who that is. Lincoln Park. Okay. Um. Anyway, one of the greatest bands of the early two thousands. That's why I don't know it. Anyway, he would not like it. No, I wouldn't, because it's from the <laughs> early two thousands. You never even heard him. No, but it's early two thousands. That's all I need to know. Um. Oh, so anyway, Arthur. He'd been born in October of eighteen twenty nine in Fairfield, Vermont. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had moved to New York and become an important cog in the political machine of Senator Roscoe Conkling. That's a made-up name. I knew I knew you were going to say that. I, I knew Ros- you were. Roscoe Conkling? Yeah. That doesn't sound like something, a made-up name that you would you would use if you were in disguise. Excuse, excuse me, sir. I am uh, Roscoe Conkling, and I'm here for the important things that Roscoe Conkling would do. <laughs> Doesn't that, is that what it sounds like? Not to me, I guess, because I don't know who he is. Um, wow. Uh, so, uh, a key thing to keep in mind at this point, the Republican Party, they were largely the ones in charge, and they kind of had two factions within. They were called the Stalwarts and the Half-Breeds. <laughs> <laughs> this is also made up! No. Ros- no. Senator Roscoe Kungling, president of the Half-Breeds. No, well, no, no, he was, he was a Stalwart. Oh, president of the Stalwarts! <laughs> the Stalwarts were, uh, well, at this time... Uh, you, you know what the spoil system is? No. Okay, so basically it was like you'd give government positions to people in your party. 
Oh, you mean like what happens right now? Regard, well, regardless of qualification. Well, well, no. I mean, because we have civil service exams and that kind of thing. And like, okay. you, know, you have to have certain qualification to meet jobs. At this point, you didn't have, really have to have any quali- qualifications at all. Okay. The only qualification you needed was be a member of the party in charge. Oh, okay. Um, and also, and once you got that position, you would essentially tithe a portion of your salary to the party coffers. Dang, okay. Yes. So, uh, and the stalwarts were very, like, we they wanted that system to continue. Mm-hmm. The half-breeds did not. They were called half-breeds because they were like, well, you're not really Republican if you don't want this. Oh, I see. So that's why they were called that. Okay. Um, so the half-breeds wanted civil service reform, which is, like, kind of a big t- the big topic of the day. Okay. The civil service reform. Because they're like, uh, all these dudes aren't doing anything. Yeah. And everybody's wallets are just getting yeah. fat. Uh, Arthur was, uh, and Conkling was like the leader of the stalwart faction. Uh-huh. And Arthur was kind of one of his main, his top lieutenants. Oh, okay. Arthur, so Chester Arthur also was like this. He wanted to keep the stuff. Okay. Um, he was, he served as the collector of the Port of New York in the 1870s, which was like the most important patronage position in the country. Oh. Because all this trade coming in. And sure. remember, this is a time when the United States got most of its income from, like, tariffs and trade duties. Yeah, I've seen Kings of New York. So. <laughs> that um, was, this is after Kings of New York, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Kings of New York was, like, New York City draft riots during the Civil War. Um, so, like, he was the collector of the ports. Like, he was the one basically intaking all these duties that they were collecting off all these ships. And it had, like, the, the, the office that he was in charge of had, like, numerous, like, hundreds of different positions to fill. They could, they could just put party people in. I was about to ask, like, how far down does this, this spoil oh, very, system go? very far down. So it's, so like... So, like, like, in, like, the postmasters of every post office. Oh, Think about okay. that. Okay. Yeah, so... So it goes all the way down. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just, like, just this huge system. Yes. Of, like, I appoint you, you appoint... Three people that you like, yeah, and then you and all they kick, appoint... you all kick stuff back to the party. Oh, so it's like so. a pyramid scheme, kind of. So, <laughs> except nobody, yeah. nobody, everybody knows what's happening in yeah, this pyramid pretty much, scheme. Pretty much. Um, also, this and Arthur, is... Arthur. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just gonna say it sounds kind of like the mob, like they're kind of yeah they're they're getting all of the yeah. duties from the people who are coming in, the percentage of whatever it is that they're bringing in, tariffs or whatever, ever to protect those items that are going out into the country, yep. and then he takes a percentage of that and then passes it off to the party. Yep. Wow. Yep. So it's a mob. Yeah, kind of a um, government mob. <laughs> yes. Um, and both parties were doing this. I don't think it's just Republicans are doing sure, this. Sure, Democrats sure. were like Tammany Hall machine in New York as well. Okay. Um, I saw Gangs of New York. <laughs> that's a Tammany Hall thing. Anyway. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the same thing, right? It's I, just I a... don't remember every detail of that movie, so. Um, back to the topic at hand. Not Gangs of New York. Well, I'm just saying that's um, how I'm connecting it in my brain. Um, so, uh, Arthur had actually been fired from that job as kind of like the civil service reform Things, oh, okay. like wanted to start removing these people from these positions, but the Star Wars were still like a main faction of the party. So in 1880, uh, James Garfield, who was a half breed, was put was put as uh, the presidential nominee. Mm-hmm. Arthur was placed on his, the uh, as his running mate on that ticket. Interesting. Um, to kind of like balance it out. Yeah, and Conkling actually didn't want him to take that position, but Arthur was like, "This is the best. This is the highest position I will ever have." It's like, it, it's an honor for me to even be nominated. Because he never served in elected office at this point. Okay. So, like, he's like, this is, like, 
no, I'm going to take this job because it's like the highest honor I will ever have. Dream job. Kind of. It's like vice president this time was like kind of a joke. I didn't really do it. Right, right. Um, but Arthur unexpectedly became president in September 1881 because James Garfield died uh, several weeks after being shot. Oh. Uh, he was the one who um, probably could have lived if his doctors would stop poking their fingers in his wound. Ew. Oh, Ew. yeah. Oh, yeah. Who did he get shot by? A man named Charles Gateau, uh, who actually... He didn't have three names? No. Oh, man, uh, that doesn't fit into the conspiracy no, theories at all. No, it doesn't. Um, but he was kind of a, a disgruntled office seeker. He thought that, like, he was instrumental in Garfield being elected. He had kind of like these insane delusions. Like, that, Gar- that he was instrumental in Garfield getting elected, so he wanted a job. Uh-huh. Uh, and Garfield was like, no. What have you done? Who are you? <laughs> And so he basically just shot him. Oh, dang. And he even said, um, supposedly he said, like, after he shot Garfield, I am a stalwart, and Arthur will be president. Oh, well. So, so yeah. But what happened like, to that dude? Uh, he was, he was, I don't know if he was committed or executed. I think he was committed. Well, his prophecy came true. Um, well, but, but well, Arthur kind of takes this, he, he kind of knows it like, oh. This guy shot Garfield because the whole office thing. Maybe I should reevaluate, you know, kind of my position on this. And he even pushed for further civil service reform, kind of like spurning his old faction. Wow. Yeah. So th- that's kind of a background of Arthur. So he, he changed his ways. <laughs> yeah. He was of. like, this is dangerous and I don't want that to happen to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just that little bit about Arthur. So. As I mentioned, Sanford had been cultivating a relationship with Arthur for some time. Yeah. Had him come uh, down to his Florida manse. Yep. Be it, you know, get treated well. Because uh, Arthur was also, he was also getting very sick at this time. Oh. Uh, he'd been diagnosed with Bright's disease. I don't know what that is. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's like some sort of kidney ailment. Oh. But, like, he was kind of slow dying at this point. Oh, uh, that sucks. Uh, yeah. Um, well, so, that, and, like, back then, Florida was considered to be, like, really exotic. Yeah, and, like... So. Also, like, oh, warm weather will improve your health. Well, I didn't always do that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, and Sanford met with Arthur at the White House in November of 1883, carrying a letter from Leopold. Ooh. Yeah. Important mail. Uh, Sanford convinced Arthur and several other politicians that Leopold's purpose was purely benevolent. <laughs> okay. Sim- and he likened it to the U.S. involvement with Liberia. I don't know about that. Basically, it was a place to shove all the black people. Great. Yes. Um, Liberia was set up by, like, a organization back in the 1820s to kind of just ship the black people back to Africa. Isn't there... Is Liberia still a country? Yes. Okay. I feel like I've read about a country that is, like, like, they govern themselves and, like, it hasn't really been touched by colonizers. Uh, Liberia would be one of the only two countries in the scramble for africa that was left untouched okay so what was European the other one powers, ethiopia okay i think maybe i'm thinking of ethiopia yeah was there a reason why those two specifically ethiopia because they just european powers just couldn't win a war there um interesting liberia because they felt like well the u.s kind of supports them so we can't really touch them mm. so hmm. sounds like a country i know of right now yes yeah um at least one <laughs> yeah um so anyway um and Sanford can also convince other politicians, like a lot of Southern politicians, mm. like, oh, 
this is another place where we can just shove all the black people. Oh, great. Yeah, so a lot of southern guys were like, oh, yeah, good, that's great, get them out of our country. Wow. Essentially. Like, like let's use them for our economic prosperity. Now that they have freedom, no thank you, let's ship them back. Pretty much. Wow. Um, and Leopold, he was wanting American recognition of his control over the Congo as a bargaining ship with the other European powers. Mm, because the okay. other European powers are his competitors. Sure. So, like, they're not going to recognize his claims over it because they want to forward their own claims. Right. But if he, if he already comes to them, be like, well, the U.S. recognizes this. Mm-hmm. So if you go in and, like, mess with my claims to it, the U.S. might not look favorably on that. Mm, I see, I see. So it's kind of like extra, you know, oomph behind his... Insurance. Yes. Okay. Um, And Arthur, and like I said, Sanford and Leopold, they were kind of purposely muddying the waters on, like, what association was which. Great. And Arthur were and others were still under the impression that the Africa Association and the Congo Association were essentially the, were essentially the same. Mm-hmm. And this is where Arthur F's up. Uh-oh. Because on April 22nd, 1884, the U.S. officially recognized the Congo Association's claims in the area. Uh-oh. As a testament to their purposeful confusion of the organizations, both associations were mentioned in the proclamation. And it's like a proclamation of one sentence. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, 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 like, they just didn't really look into it. Wow. Like, Sanford's just like, hey, yeah, he's doing these great things. And they're just like, okay, yeah, sure. Wow, so, so just 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 because of that one thing. Yeah, and technically, not only the Secretary of State made the proclamation, but he wouldn't have done it without Arthur's okay. Okay. Um, it's funny, do we still do proclamations? Yeah, I mean, there's still presidents for proclamations all the time. I wonder what they are. I feel like, like I never hear something... A proclamation declaring the flag at half-staff for this day. Oh, Or okay. a proclamation declaring this, you know, national chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream day you know stuff like that or we might proclaim oh, okay we recognize kosovo's independence so it can range from just well i was gonna say like it sounds like these have a tendency to be like maybe more minor it just depends okay sometimes that can be pretty banal sometimes they're pretty important i was just i was wondering like was this considered to be something that he just did offhand or was this considered to be like important was, by him by the united states's government um important you think so yeah okay. uh because i mean they're recognizing essentially a, one country's claims over an area so yeah. i mean that that can be that's pretty important i w- just wasn't sure if it was like yeah just sign all the proclamations bill god get him off my desk no, no. okay uh, and Stanley even wrote the quote, the recognition of the United States was the birth unto new life of the association. End quote. Wow. So, yeah. So with this proclamation in hand, uh, well, the European powers, they met at the Berlin conference in November of 1884. So later on that year to discuss the division of Africa. Oh like, my God. Who gets what? This is insane. This yes. is a this is a continent full of people, and the Europeans are like, let's divvy it up. Like, yep, there are people who have lived here for eons, and you're just gonna divide it up, yes. like it belongs to you. Yeah. Well, it's really truly <laughs> not a wonder that Africa is as unstable in regions as it is. Uh, yeah, and this is one of the, again end up being one of the most unstable because the, um, the European powers can't even govern themselves half the time. No. Uh, at the conference, uh, Leopold's International Congo Association was recognized as the legitimate holder of the Congo region. So wow. I'm going to show you a picture here. 
basically, the, uh, this is what the country would become, but this is basically the whole area that Leopold now controls. Oh my god. This massive area in Central Africa. So it's cent- Central Africa in that it's past whatever this is called. What's this area called? This area? Yeah. It's like a, there's, like, there's like the Gulf of Benin or something yeah, like that. Yeah. The, so like, like, there's several different names over here. Yeah. So like the under the, I'm trying to describe where it is for the listeners, although we'll put this on the Instagram when this episode comes out, but kind of like, you know, there's the, the Western kind of like, uh, circular area that kind of comes off the Western side of Africa of the continent and then you, it kind of dips back in. This is like right smack dab in the middle, but we're talking like a huge oh, yeah. it area. Is, it is like over a hundred times the size of Belgium, I think, if I remember. Jeez. Correctly. So this so, is like this is like a country's worth. Like if we're just comparing it randomly, it, it, to, it's it's like the size. It's larger than France. Yeah, it's it's like two two and a half Frances. Yeah. So we're talking a massive, massive area, oh, yeah. and it's also bisected by the equator. Yes. So it's right on the equator. Yep. So crucial place inside the interior of Africa, you have the Congo River, which comes in, which, as we already talked about, is a thoroughfare, mm-hmm. and this is right in the middle of Africa. It would be extremely easy to regulate who's coming from the south to the north and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So huge area. Yeah. Um, Insane. Leopold renamed it the Congo Free State in May of 1885 and appointed himself as its sovereign. Now, something to keep in mind. Belgium itself, like the actual country of Belgium, has nothing to do with this. This is all Leopold. This is like his personal property. Wow. Since he, remember, the These Congo the, Association, he's the sole shareholder. Right. He's, it's not a, a government, it's not a nope. Belgian government, it's not Belgian property. He is basically the absolute ruler. Wow. It, so he, he's declared himself the dictator of a country. The sovereign, yes. Well, what's the difference between a sovereign and a dictator? Oh, sovereign is like a monarch. A dictator is... Mm, it's a little different. A dictator like can like rule. A dictator like always rules like, after, like, but he's like absolute. But he's like the one true king. Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah, area. He, no, yeah, sure. That, um, that's crazy. So he personally... Although, like, ostensibly, originally, he was like, oh, no, you know, Belgium Belgium needs to, like, further their interests across the world. Mm-hmm. He's like, just kidding, I own this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All me. Yep. Wow. Um, what a jerk. A little bit of follow-up with our other characters. Arthur himself, he didn't run for re-election in 1884. Like I said, he had, was kind of dying at this point. Mm. Plus, he um, did the thing. He was like, I, this is my dream job, and I did yep. it. So uh, he, he died in November 1886, about a year and a half after he left office. Mm. Uh, Sanford continued to lobby for further investment in the Congo in the United States. Uh, he died in May 1891. Did he get more support from the U.S. in the Congo? Yes. Okay. Wow. Stanley undertook one more Africa expedition, uh, returning to the U.K. in 1890. He served in Parliament from 1895 to 1900. Wow. He was knighted in 1899, so he's Sir Henry Morton Stanley. Wow. And he died in May 1904. Who was the Queen then? Victoria? In May 1904, it was King Edward VII. No, who knighted him? 1890. Yeah, that would have been Queen Victoria. Okay. Um, initially, the Congo wasn't financially productive, uh, but, but that changed with the increasing need for rubber. Because now we're getting automobiles and Rub- tires. Rubber trees. Yeah, and they need rubber for the tires. 
1891, Leopold issued a decree that essentially enslaved the entire native population. The, this is the dude who chopped off the thumbs. Hands, right? Yep. Oh, we're my God. That. Okay. Uh, vast areas of the jungle were cleared to build rubber plantations. Wow. Uh, he established an army called the Force Publique. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, it was basically okay. made up of some locals, but a lot of, like, European mercenaries. Right. Like, the people that were too brutal for the actual armies of like Europe. Like, nasty. Nasty. Yes. Like, Blackwater were, dudes. Yeah. <laughs> established to enforce quotas and meet out punishments. Uh, failure, to, failure to meet quotas was often punishable by death. Yeah. Uh, the most common punishment was, as you mentioned, the severing of hands. Yeah. Which seems anti, like... It, it's kind of convoluted. So, basically, the overseers wanted, like, a hand as proof that they shot and killed somebody. Oh, I see. But then they didn't want to actually shoot and kill them, so they just chop off their hand. Yes. They didn't I want see. to waste the bullets so they could go hunt animals. Wow. Yes. You even had, like... Like, you even get, like, weird hand quotas type of thing. Like, like, villages would fight each other just to chop off each other's hands. Just like, oh, yeah, 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 we, we, they were punished. Wow. Um, and I think that there are, like, a lot of pictures and stuff of oh, people. Oh, I'm about to show you some. Oh. Yeah, there's some. Uh, like, ch- we're talking kids. Yeah. Like, are, children, children with no hands. The one I'm about to show you is a little more horrifying. That is a man staring at the severed hand and foot of his daughter. Dude. What the F? Yep. Well, it, it's just like, you would think like, yep. oh, well, you know, maybe I don't want to cut off their hands because I want these people to still be productive for me. Well, Leopold actually, he, he didn't like that punishment. Because that's why he, like, he wanted them to be productive. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it's every single person in this country now, in this fake country that Leopold has decreed, which apparently there's just like, well, I don't know like what the map situation was back then, but they were just like, well, now it's a new country, and we're mm-hmm. just going to draw that on the map. The Congo Free State. Which I'm sure is covering multiple, like, several different tribes oh, worth oh, of people. Oh, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. That well, aren't I mean, actually a cohesive people together well, that are separate, maybe... That's part of the reason why we'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. Okay. Um, yeah, um, other punishments, like whippings, imprisonment, hostage-taking. Jesus. So it's basically like the Wild West out here. Just uh, people. Worse than Wild West. Worse, worse than the Wild West. I mean, I mean, at least in terms of, like, the way people are treating one another. Yeah. Like... Chopping off people's hands to prove that they've punished them yeah. and shooting people and killing them for not lack of productivity. Yep. It's garbage. Uh, by the mid-1890s, the atrocities in the Congo Free State were beginning to be reported. Uh, you may have heard of Joseph Conrad's novel, The Heart, uh, Heart of Darkness, yeah, yeah, from 1893. Yeah. Isn't that what Apocalypse Now is based off of? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it publicized conditions in the state. Uh, the Congo Reform Association, another association in it. But this one's positive. Um, it was founded in 1904 to put pressure on Leopold and kind of work for like humanitarian causes there to kind of like, like help look, these people out. All these kids are missing their hands. Uh, Can you help them out? The African American historian George Washington Williams wrote an open letter to Leopold that was kind of a key piece of propaganda from like the pro reform movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, another side note: George Washington Williams was uh, he's credited uh, often with uh, coming up with the term "crimes against humanity." Oh. Uh, not regarding this. Okay. Regarding slavery. Okay. But just a little, little fun fact. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, Prolific writer, then. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
the Parliament of Belgium finally gave in to pressure and just annexed the Congo in November 1908, ending Leopold's personal rule of the country. I am proud of that, and I'm glad, but what a way to throw an entire new nation back yep. into disarray. Yeah, remember, Belgium never really wanted this. Yeah, they were like, what but, are but you doing, But they're also dude? like, we just don't really have a choice here. Yeah, um, and clearly they, they were... I mean, even though they had no control, it was not their property. They are still, it still looks, it's a real bad look to yes. have the ruler of your country own another country yeah. that has nothing to do and you have no influence over. Yes. Um, wow. In his decades ruling the Congo, Leopold made the modern equivalent of $62.5 million from the venture. <sighs> wow. And then he died in November 1909. He died about a year after losing control of the Congo. Wow. And he was never punished. When did he die? Just natural causes? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he was in his 70s by that point. Okay. Um, estimates put the death toll during Leopold's rule at approximately 10 million. Jesus. And this is a place that, like, what what is the population of this place? I mean, a modern pop... I don't know what the modern population is offhand. Just, um... The Congo or? Yeah. Well, there's multiple Congo countries, but um, Belgium ruled the Congo um, until June 1960 when it gained independence as the Democratic Republic of the Congo, um, or it's sometimes shorthanded to Congo Kinshasa. So, right now, 2020, Democratic Republic of the Congo has 90 million people. So, he basically killed one in nine. I mean, he didn't, but. Uh, under his rule, well, I mean, one like, in nine people, and and this was back before there was infrastructure, so I'm sure there were far fewer people. Uh, yeah, so like maybe like half the population. Oh my god! Yeah, cool. Just for some rubber. Okay. Yep. Um, I mean uh, the Belgian rule. I mean it. It was like any other colonial rule. It was also exploitative, but not to this point. Mm-hmm. Um. And like I said, they did. They gained independence in 1960, um, but was very unstable. It was ruled by a dictator named uh, Mobutu Seko for like 30 years from like the 60s into like the late 90s. I'm sorry, I missed the part. Who got control of it after uh, Leopold lost control? The actual Belgian government. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, But they still were running it into the ground until the 60s. And yeah, well, had... like uh, any other colonial power. Okay. Being exploitative. Okay. But not... Not like that. Okay. We weren't chopping off hands anymore. And in the 60s, you said who took over? Uh, well, they were granted independence in okay. June 1960. Okay. Uh, some instability, and then a dictator named Mobutu Sezi Seko okay. uh, took over, and he ruled until, I think, 1997. Okay. Uh, he actually renamed the country as Zaire. Oh, okay. So. Okay. Um, but, but, it they're rever- ba- but it reverted back to Democratic Republic of the Congo after that. But it's still, there's been a lot of internal strife multiple civil wars. There's been civil wars in neighboring countries that have destabilized it. It's still a very unstable country. Right. Because, um, like like what we were talking about before, it's a lot of different peoples yes, that... Yes, lot, many, many, many different ethnic groups uh, in the country. I mean, it's a large country. It's one of the... I, I think it's the largest in Africa. I mean, like what, if not, it's one, it's one of the largest in Africa. Like what we were saying, it's like two and a half Frances. Yeah. So it, it is a large country full of different ethnic groups 
all white people all the time trying to redraw border lines and yeah. force people that have no business and being the borders together. of it today are the borders that essentially were drawn by the berlin conference like the areas that leopold had control of it still has those borders today wow. pretty much so just lots of different tribes and ethnic groups that really like maybe if they had organically met back up they would it would have been cool but yeah. they didn't and now that it's just completely well, to go back to the point of how many people died during uh-huh. that time, this is saying that in 1900, Africa as a whole had it between 90 million and 133 million people. Wow. So that's for the entire continent uh-huh. of Africa. And I'm sure that most of those people were like in Egypt or oh, in the were... in that area. Well, Egypt, South Africa, probably along Niger, the Niger Delta, uh-huh. probably in those areas, but also Congo. But yeah. Wow. So definitely, we can't understate the amount of people who died here. And that's not even counting, like, the number of people, it's like, who were mutilated. Right, exactly. I'm sure that there are still folks, like, who had grandparents or something that were were mutilated. I mean, mean, his rule only ended, like, 113 years ago. Yeah. Okay, so this says, in that area, it says half of the population of that area was decimated by, by that. Jeez. So there was about 20 million people that was in that area, and 10 million of them were killed yep. during this period. And it was it was for no other reason aside from profit, rubber. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and and kind of the weird screwed up thing about this. The this one, the, just well, the one. Well, yeah, another. I, I guess I should have phrased that differently. Another yeah. screwed up thing about this is that there's still. I can understand not wanting to admit fault for your country, mm-hmm. but even with this, it's like there's still Belgian historians who kind of like try to defend Leopold, wow, and his actions. And it's like, or I mean, maybe not just Belgian historians. There's probably several other historians who, who like that. What, I I don't even understand how that could be defensible. Yeah, like he I, wasn't I, doing it for the country. Well, I mean, think about how many people. Uh, Try to say the Holocaust didn't happen. Oh, that's true. And there's, and, is, and there's far less records about this. I was going to say, this is like a like the African Holocaust and the center yeah, it, of the it's, country. Technically, it's it doesn't meet the technical definition of genocide because it's like, it was not an active... Sure. They weren't actively trying to wipe this, this people out, right? people out, but it was just mass killing. It was like a byproduct yeah. of their greed. Well, I mean, what about Stalin? Is that considered a genocide? No. Okay, well, but he killed, like, what, 40 million people? I don't know the numbers offhand, but, yeah, he killed millions upon millions of people. Not a genocide, though. No, because he didn't go after a specific, like, ethnic, <laughs> ethnic group. group or, right. You know, he just... I, I, I guess you could say the group was people who were anti-Stalin. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. But. Wow. So it was just a byproduct of just a brutal, brutal r- rule. Of yep. this area. Uh-huh. Wow. Yep. Kind of makes you, uh... It, it's, it definitely makes more sense when you put it into that context. Like, uh, obviously a lot of terrible things have happened there since then. Hmm. But it makes you think, like, oh, no wonder all of these countries in Africa are completely unstable. Because they were meddled with and colonized and the course of their own history completely mm-hmm. diverted into something else that it would never have been like the rubber tree thing like 
if cars weren't a thing and the demand for rubber hadn't increased, it would have been like yeah. not nearly as bad, I'm sure. I might have found a different product to export. Because even today, like, uh, the DRC is like, it's one of the, is a lot of untapped natural resources, like minerals and that kind of thing. Uh, like, mining is big there, but, like, it, mm. it's hard to do because it's just so unsafe. And it's, it's like, really heavy jungle there, right? Yes. Um, I And also just, like, corrupt officials who are just, like... I was going to ask, yeah. do they have a president now? Yeah, oh, yeah, they have a president, but, um, I mean, the country's still very corrupt, very just unstable. Okay, I see. So, um, yeah, that's all I got with this, but... Wow. Yeah, it's kind of heavy. Chester Arthur, you effed up. Chester Arthur definitely effed up. He should have read the fine print. Should have realized what he was signing off. Yeah, the, I mean, read the non. It wasn't there. Wasn't any fine print, but read what he was. Read yeah. a little bit further, and he got uh, yeah. seduced by that Florida mansion. <laughs> he was seduced by Florida. And the orange groves. <laughs> yeah, it was like smell them orange groves in the mm. morning. I don't know where he's... He's from Vermont. He doesn't sound like that. I don't know what Vermont people sound like, so... Well, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, Bernie Sanders. Well, no, he's from he's from Brooklyn, so... <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, he has lived in Vermont, yeah, but... Yeah. I I, but Ben and Jerry. I don't know I, if I've ever heard them. I know. Though. I was like, I've never seen... I've never even seen a picture of them. I've only ever seen them drawn as cartoons. <laughs> I don't know any other Vermont people. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, other than, like, historical people who I would have no idea what they sound like. But... <laughs> sorry, Vermonters. Yeah. Vermontans. Yes. I think it's Vermonters. Vermonters? I think. I feel like we looked this up the other day. We did, but I don't think we got to run in Vermont. Oh, okay. Anyway, that's that's besides the point. Anyway, um, sources for this include uh, Tim Geals' The Impossible Life of Africa's... Or Stanley, The Impossible Life of Africa's Greatest Explorer from 2007. Thomas Packenham's The Scramble for Africa from 1991. Thomas Reeves' Gentleman Boss, The Life of Chester A. Arthur from 1975. Gentleman Boss. Uh, David Van Raybrook's uh, Congo, The Epic History of a People, translated by Sam Collins from 2014. And probably the seminal book on this whole on this whole thing, if you want to look more into it, uh, Adam uh, Hochschild's um, King Leopold's Ghost, A Study of Greed, Terror, and Heroism in, Col- in Colonial Africa from 1998. They're called Vermonters, by the way. That's useless information that I will definitely store for later. But I will not remember what I had for lunch today. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Waffle House anymore. That's what it was, Waffle House. That's what I had for lunch. I had generally forgotten. Great. Great. <laughs> Teresa really wanted a Waffle House for dinner, and she's giving me crazy eyes right now. I did really want Waffle House. I just want some crispy hash browns, all right? Uh, so join us next time uh, when we will be discussing um, why you it, it's really hard to make all your kids happy <laughs> all your kids like you got 50 you don't know <laughs> please don't forget to check out our sister projects or mostly my sister projects uh, the YouTube show The Drunken Pond which is produced by myself and hosted by our po- co-producer Steve on this podcast Um, where we drink beer and play board games. It's a great time. Uh, Attack of the Final Girls, which is a horror review podcast, uh, which is co-hosted by myself and my lovely pod wife, Juliet. Uh, Three Minute Movies, which is a YouTube channel where I attempt to summarize and spoil movies in three minutes. 
Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show so we can stay on the charts. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at WeEFTUP. I'm Teresa. And I'm Cody. And this is WeEFTUP. We